the stars that we are still just beginning to discover because they're that far away. We haven't really managed to get up, up close and personal yet. The stars that, that just seem to fascinate us in, in such a way. And, and it's reported that in recent years, more and more people are turning to the movement of the stars and the planets to direct and guide their, their lives. I was, uh, I was driving around early one morning a couple of weeks ago, um, listening to the radio. I wasn't paying a huge amount of attention to the radio, not the road. Um, I think it was Zoe Ball on Radio 2 in the morning. Uh, and there was something where people whose birthday it was were phoning up. They could choose the song, but they had to prove it was their birthday by saying who they shared it with, but also what star sign they were, because apparently that stuff really matters to people. And then to quote uh, Nicky Gumbel of Alpha Fame, uh, in one of his books, he, he writes this. In a throwaway line in Genesis, the writer tells us he also made the stars. Such great power of the great creator God. In fact, we, we, we can read a little bit more so we could go to somewhere like Isaiah 40, verse 26. Um, a verse, I think, that puts a tingle down my spine. And it says, lift up your eyes, look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. In Isaiah 40, those, those words are, are bound up with, with more words of God speaking comfort and hope to his, his people who feel like God has abandoned them. And God's saying, no, I've not given up on you. If that's true of the stars in the sky, how much more true? Of this knowing us by name, not one of them being missing. How much more of that must be true of, of us, of people, of those created in the image and likeness of God? Those whose creation meant God could declare what he'd made to be very good. And so with that in mind, uh, this, this evening I want to kind of get ahead of ourselves, if you like. I want to start with where we're going to land. Can I begin with the application? So I want you to grab your Bibles. I'd love you to turn up page 628, Psalm 139. I'm just going to read the final two verses. at page 628, Psalm 139. And the final two verses, verses 23 to 24. Just give everyone a moment to get there. I suspect for most of us in the room, these will be familiar verses, but just let, let the Holy Spirit make them fresh to you again this evening. David writes, search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, God. Know what's going on right at the core of who I am. Test me and know what is going on as I try and make sense of things. My thoughts, my cares, my worries, my unbelief, my doubts, my questions. See if there are ways in how I'm living that grieve you and deal with them so that you might lead me in the way everlasting. 
I had a um, when I was at Bible College uh, more number of years ago than I like to remember now. But I, I had a series of lectures um, on Christian ethics that I really, really enjoyed. Uh, not least because with this particular lecturer, I could play bingo. Because every lecture, you knew that he was going to mention a few phrases and a few uh, different things that would crop up without fail. Now, one of them is a bit of Latin that has particularly stu stuck with me. It's probably the only bit of Latin I vaguely remember that's not just by accident. And this is where it's going to test me. Homo incurbitus in C. Anyone old enough or posh enough to know what that means? Human beings curved in on themselves. That's an idea that flows out of um, Augustine, you know, the North African bishop from uh, a few hundred years after Jesus. This, this idea that without Jesus, humanity, because of their sin, if you like, have curved, or have turned away from God and curved in on themselves. It's a very, it's a very sort of physical image of curved right in on themselves. Without God, that's, that's where we are. And yet, in Jesus, it's, it's as if we're being unfolded and opened up again. Opened up to God, opened up to, to one another. And those final words in, in Psalm 139 seem to be, to me, words that God uses to open us right up wide to him. As we say, search me. Know my heart, test me, know my thoughts, see my ways, lead me. And perhaps this evening, those words feel dangerous to pray. Or maybe this evening, those, those words feel like they would take a huge amount of courage to pray. And that's why I started with the ending, to kind of forewarn us that it's coming. That's where we're going to land. Uh, we're going to have some time later on to to spend some time praying and reflecting on those verses. But first of all, we've got, to, we've got to get to those verses, haven't we? We need to see what comes before. So Claire's going to come up and read the rest of Psalm 139, which we've got in front of us, uh, for us. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. 
All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Claire, very much. So how do we how do we land in that position where we can let God open us up to himself and for us to say to God, uh, the almighty God, the creator, search me, know me, test me, lead me. Well, we, we can pray that prayer uh, to God because the God we worship, according to Psalm 139, already has searched us and knows us. Isn't that how the psalm starts? Verse 1, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Our inviting God to, to search us and, and, and know us is, is not opening God up to new knowledge. It's opening ourselves up to God, but, but it's, it's knowledge God already has. I think it's a truly remarkable thought to think that, that God knows every single one of us in this room this evening better than we know ourselves. He knows when we sit down. He knows when we stand up. He knows what we're thinking. Even right now, that thought you just had, he knows it. He knows when we're heading out the front door. He knows when we're heading up to bed. He knows, he knows the words that are going to come out when we're still trying to work out what the word is we're trying to say. He's got our life surrounded. And I, and I guess, that, that, what does that mean for each one of us here this evening? Well, God knows your deepest desires. He knows your biggest regrets. He knows the hurts that you are carrying. He knows the emotions you're feeling. He knows, he knows our worries. He knows our hormones. He knows our proudest moments, our weakest moments. He knows our internet browsing history. He knows our questions. He knows our doubts. He knows our delights. He knows our fears. He knows our hopes. And it's, it's, it's something that's just, it's mind-blowing. It's hard to get our heads around and we're in good company. Same is true for David, verse 6. Such knowledge is, is too wonderful for me. It's too good, too lofty for me to attain. We pray to the God we worship and, and say, search me, know me, test me, because he already searched us, he already knows us. And, and perhaps it can feel a bit a bit close to home, make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit nervous, because there are things in all of our lives that yeah, we don't, we don't particularly want to remember. We certainly don't want anybody else to know. And so we kind of feel the sense that maybe we need to hide away from a God like this. 
Psalm 139 says, but you can't. Not only does God know you, he's with you wherever you go. If you've been with us in the, in the morning series in Jonah, doesn't Jonah experience that? God tells him to go and preach against the Ninevites, for he's seen the wickedness that's come up before him. And Jonah runs, and we kind of think Jonah's running away from the job, but it says Jonah runs away from the Lord. And he runs away, he gets on the boat, doesn't he? And the boat's in the storm, and, and, and it's because God is there. That's David's experience as well. Now, if when I'm tired, my rubbish choice of TV shows to watch is anything that involves police chases, um, my highbrow um, TV watching, something I want to invest in is, is like the, it's the crime drama, the crime thriller. And if you've ever watched anything along those lines uh, with me, uh, you will know that when anything, uh, anything terrible happens, it will always happen in a CCTV black spot. So I'm not talking Inspector Morse here. I'm talking a bit more modern. Um, it always happens in a CCTV black spot, a, a, an area where the, the cameras can't pick up. And, of course, that makes it extra hard to solve the crime and, and they all live happily ever after or they don't. But there's no CCTV black spots with God. He sees it all. Verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee uh, from your presence, up, down, east, west, he's there. God's there. He's guiding. He's, he's holding, David says, he's holding him fast. He's holding him steady. Even if he tries to hide in the darkness, God sees straight through. No night vision goggles required. See straight through. Uh, darkness, says, is as light to you. You can't run away from the Lord. He's with us. He knows us. He's with us. So when we pray for God to, to search us, maybe we feel a bit intimidated because we have this God who knows everything and the God we can't get away from. But notice how there's a middle bit to the psalm. The God who knows us, the God who's with us, the God we're opening ourselves up to and saying, search me, is our craftsman. God is our craftsman. And, and as Rob's already said, that's, that's a kind of big characteristic of God we're thinking about this evening. Is it? He's the craftsman. We've, we've heard in this series that, first of all, God exists. He's the creator. And he's the craftsman. We ask God to search us because he's our craftsman. And, and verses 13 to 16, I just I think are so unbelievably wonderful. I'm going to read them again. They're so worth reading. I just think, as I read it, this is about you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. This evening, you and me were fearfully, wonderfully made. This is just astonishingly good news in a time when our world around us, our culture says, to find out who the real you is, we need to do is look really deep inside yourself. Whatever you find there, that's who you are. 
But what if we have a craftsman creator who has fearfully and wonderfully made us? Male and female, he has made us. He's given those uh, to us, uh, prized together because together we are the image of God. Every life from the, the tiniest baby in the womb to the oldest person, they're to be prized as precious. That's why in one of the bedrooms in our house, we have this frame. It's great having scripture hanging on your walls. Little reminders in one of our bedrooms. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God is not like a huge automated robot factory line producing mass-produced people. Now we might be more used to using this kind of language to describe coffee or beer. But God is an artisan craftsman, crafting bespoke design after bespoke design. That's why God knows us. That's why God's with us, because he is the craftsman. Let me try and illustrate uh, this uh, to you. I'm, I always get slightly wary in, in preaching that I, I don't want to always kind of bang on about children or, or family life, because I realize that's the world I exist in, but I, I recognize that's not true for, for lots of people. Um, and I was trying to think, what is something that I've made that I could use as an illustration? And I thought, my compost heap. But I thought you wouldn't appreciate me bringing that in. Um, so I have, I have bought something I did with one of my children, uh, with Luke, our, our, um, our second son. It's, uh, it's a very basic Airfix helicopter. Uh, I think it was Christmas or birthday present. Um, and immediately the illustration falls down because this was factory mass produced, came in a box in parts. That's not how God works. But he and I, Luke, over one afternoon, uh, lovingly, uh, painstakingly uh, fitted this all together. We, we know the contours of this helicopter. Uh, we know what it's all about. We know how all the parts fit together. We know, we know how it works. We know that it comes off its stand a bit too easily. Uh, we, also, we also know that there are a few faults along the way. Uh, you might not be able to see it, but, but one of the missiles is actually held on with blue tack because it kept falling off. We know the stickers aren't brilliantly stuck on and it's missing the rotor blade at the back. Okay, and we need to be very careful here because Luke and I making an FX model made a bit of a hash of it. God does not make a hash of his creation. Everything about it, perfect. Everything about it, very good. But because God made it, he knows it. Just like Luke and I know this helicopter. And more than that, uh, I won't tell you who, one of us has it in pride place in their bedroom. Because we want to be with it. We want to be near it. We're proud of it. And if that's true of a plastic helicopter, how much more true is it of our craftsman, creator? He's with us. But it also knows that when a sibling accidentally sort of takes it and breaks the bit off the back, we know the bit that's broken. We know what's missing. And I guess in the, in the same way, God knows how sin has entered the world and has broken things. And therefore he knows when he looks at us because he made us. He, he, he knows where the, the dents are. He knows where the scars are. He knows where the hurt is. He knows where the, the brokenness is. 
It's a poor illustration, but perhaps it just helps us to understand how, how we hold these things in tension. We have a creator God who's crafted us, so he knows us. And he's with us. And then we get, then we get to those verses. Those verses, and, and do you know what we normally do with those verses? We get up to the end of verse 18. When I wake, I'm still with you. And then we go, Whoa! search me, God, and know my heart. What do we do with those verses? What do we do with those verses? Well, I wonder if God, in the same way that Luke and I know the damage at to the helicopter, God knows the damage at to his creation. And David, as he, as he walks with God, hates the things that God hates, loves the things that God loves. If God is the craftsman of a perfect world, the right response to evil and wickedness, and to those responsible are words like this. Just, just think for a moment, that some of the news coming out of um, Turkey and Syria after the earthquake. How do we make sense of people starting to loot? How do we make sense that I suspect in the months ahead, we'll find particularly vulnerable women, young women, who will have been trafficked? out from there, out from the disaster, because they're so vulnerable, being brought to countries like ours for the sex trade and for slavery. The craftsman's response to that is to rightly judge that. And one day he will. And we, we join in with that, that, that longing of God. So Paul in Romans 12, when he speaks of our lives being living sacrifices, when he talks about our thinking being transformed, not being conformed to patterns well, but being transformed, he goes on to say, love must be sincere. What does sincere love look like? Hate what is evil. So these verses are motivated by a desire for God the creator, God the craftsman's design to be the way it should be. How life was designed to be, to be lived out. These aren't verses where David's being judgmental. I don't think these are, verses, these are verses where David's got this attitude of, well, I'm better than them over there, because what's the next thing he does? He says, search me, God. I've said all about that, about the, 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 the people committing hor horrific things. But Lord, will you search me? Knowing that God is, is the creator craftsman means he knows us, means he's with us. And it means he has a response to the intrusion of sin and evil on what he's made and the damage that it's caused. And so one day we, we trust that Jesus will come and everything will be put right and nobody will ever say that's not fair. In fact, everyone will say that's right. Yes. Wicked, evil, rebellion, gone. Wiped out. And those responsible for it. But remember, this is the same Jesus who's already come. I guess the one who could only truly, really pray those final two verses. Say, search me, God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, see, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. There was never a single offensive 
way in Jesus, and yet he was counted amongst the wicked. He faced God's judgment to save us, to forgive us. But more than that, to, to recreate us, or I don't know if you even think this is a word, to recraft us, to recraft us into the image of Jesus Christ. That's how much our creator craftsman cares for us, loves us, because he's made us. This is the one who, who calls out the stars one by one by one by name so that none of them are missing. If it's true for the stars, how much more true is it for you and for me? So we come to praying uh, those final two verses of Psalm 139 this evening. Maybe it still feels dangerous. Maybe it still feels like it will take courage. But I hope you might see that it, it's for our kids. As we pray, consider the craftsman who already knows you, is already with you. And if you're in Christ, is already recrafting.